Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with beekeeper extraordinaire, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And the clarinet aficionado, Melissa Kavanaugh. Hey. And if you stay tuned till the end of the show, you might get a little special treat from Melissa on her clarinet. If you listened to last week's episode, you would know what that's going to be, but stay tuned for that. And then... Misha Bakikio is here. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And thanks want, for the super non-dramatic do you want? Do you want a label like everyone else? I would love a label. Um, the hair bund Misha Bakikio. That's the first thing I observed about you. you. You have a bun in your hair. It's not a man bun. It's a woman bun. Thanks for clarification. Yeah. Man, what is up with man buns? I feel like that's not a thing anymore. It's on our website. Yes. If, if you go is. to the Fuel Travel yeah. website, this is total clickbait, but if you do go to the Fuel Travel website, there's a video at the top where it's saying, talking about hotel marketing simplified, and there's dudes walking into a hotel lobby, and one of the guys has a man bun. Yes. Well, they have fake man buns. It could be one of those ones. That like a clip-on? It's a clip-on man bun. It's possible. I don't know why we have that on our website. We probably need to um, Not change have it. that. Yeah. <laughs> But go to our website anywhere and you'll you'll see man buns and you'll learn about all the awesome stuff that we do about hotel marketing. But that is not why we're here today. We're here today to talk about how to dominate the mobile SERP, right? C. What is a SERP? It is a viscous liquid that is very False. sugary that you put on not breakfast syrup. items. I'm not from the South. But SERPs are search engines, results pages. Oh, those SERPs. Yeah. So the place where people see your hotel when they go on their phone and they hit the Googles, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We can all agree that we live in a mobile first world, right? Everyone agree with that? Yes. All the listeners at home, you agree with that, right? This is a mobile first world. We start every journey for shopping through a mobile device of some kind, or the majority of people do. So we want to dominate that space. So how do we dominate that on the search engine results page? That's what we're going to talk about today, uh, all three, PPC, local, and organic search. But before we get into that, let's jump into what's going on in the news. Pete. All right. Well, the first news item we have for today is from hotelsmag.com. And the uh, headline is, what, are, what owners must know about the Hyatt Expedia drama? So if you don't know what happened, uh, I'd say mid last month, Hyatt sent out a letter to all of their properties that come July 31, they are going to be terminating the CLA or the corporate lodging agreement with Expedia, meaning the 1st of August that their, pro- their properties will not be you know, as part of the network for Expedia, Orbitz, Hotwire, and all Travelocity, Hotels.com, all those other OTAs, you will not find a Hyatt property on. Massive. Now, a lot of this could be just the back and forth cat and mouse of contract negotiations because Hyatt does feel they're paying too much to the OTAs. Relative to the other chains, right? Right. You know, so it, it could easily be just a, a scare tactic that, you know, at the 11th hour... You know, Expedia will come back and say, okay, fine, you get the same deal. But it could also be, you know, a very early indicator that maybe 
some of the hotels are really taking this book direct methodology to heart and we could see a real shakeup. I think it's going to be one of those things we just kind of want, wait and see, but they'll probably back down and they, they can't lose that market. I, I mean, think. if you know, I don't know how, why this is public information or if this is closed door information, but if I know another hotel ch- chain is getting a different rate than I am, yeah, I'm going to throw a fit about it. Like, why would my rate be any different? Yeah, I mean, some of it's about early adopters and who they made the first agreements with. But I, I agree. <laughs> I think they've got a position to 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 negotiate, but they don't have a ton of leverage. You know, if if Hyatt's not on Expedia, is that going to really hurt Expedia? So, I, it's tough. I mean, it's like when the the um, when the cable companies do this with certain channels, right? You get those warnings on that you're going to lose this channel. You need to call them and tell them. This is kind of what's happening. And, and the fact that it's gone so public is really interesting to me because I feel like that someone, one of the two is trying to get public sentiment behind it. And I don't know which way it's going to go. Hyatt probably at this point needs Expedia more than Expedia needs Hyatt, to be fair. So which one is going to call each, which one's bluff? This is, this is a high stakes game of chicken. And one of them is going to lose out. I, I say, I think Hyatt might lose out in this. If this was a Marriott, you know, or a Hilton... I think Expedia would probably be treating it a little differently, but I don't know. This is going to be one to watch for sure. This could open the door for other hotel chains to do the same thing. Yeah. Which is why Expedia Which is, is probably exactly. going to have to you know, hold the line. Pretty yeah, much. if Expedia caves, everyone else is going to line up. You know, you're going to get all the small chains doing the same thing. And and that that could be catastrophic for their business model. Um, yeah, but consumer perception of OTAs is interesting and in, in, I'm going to announce this now. This is probably a little premature, but we, we're in the middle of doing a travel, stu- a new travel study with Triptease, and we're looking heavily at the consumer perception of OTAs. That's probably going to be out the end of August is what we're looking at, and it's going to be showcased at their uh, Digital Marketing Direct Booking Summit in September. But I've seen some of the preliminary data, and it's interesting when you look at how people perceive OTAs and whether they prefer to book on an OTA versus direct, why they prefer to do that. Those are the kind of things we're digging into. It's going to be interesting. So I definitely want to keep an eye on what happens here. Who's going to who's going to jump out of the way of the game of chicken first? My money says it's probably going to be higher. Anyone want to take it? Dollar? I'm waiting to see TripAdvisor swoop in and give them an amazing deal. But TripAdvisor doesn't have the distribution. They just don't have the volume, you know? So, again, I think Hyatt needs Expedia more than Expedia needs Hyatt at this point. Expedia is going to get the bookings either way. If Hyatt's not there, They're not going to lose any money if Hyatt's not there. Exactly. I mean, they'll lose money in the sense that the the person that gets the booking, if it's a Marriott or Hilton, is going to get a lot, is going to be charging they're going to be charging a lower commission so they'll lose a little bit that way but they're not going to lose in terms of total rooms booked but there might be something else happening too what if hyatt does pull out and they have no adverse reactions in terms of occupancy yeah i don't don't see it happening I, i i think the problem is and we've talked about this on the show before there's too many lazy marketers out there in the hotel industry and the otas are such an easy drug where you can turn the faucet on and off whenever you need it to, especially that last minute guest, that there's no way that Hyatt can regenerate demand the same way an OTA can. 
They just can't, especially when they got soft weekends. If they're if they're on a, a Tuesday in this coming when weekend is soft, there's no way a higher can generate the demand. They just don't have the mechanism to do it, whereas an OTA does. So watch this space. All right, what's next, Melissa? What's next is an article from skip.com. And it is that Best Western is testing voice-activated rooms. And I found this article to be interesting because we've talked about this in a few episodes in the past, talking about Marriott using Siri in rooms and things like that. I'm surprised, and I don't mean to sound this as a dig towards Best Western, but this is a lower-priced property on the cutting edge of technology implementing what they're going to be using are dots in their hotel rooms and looking at it from a little bit of a different perspective as opposed to just looking at it from, hey, can you turn on the lights or the TV or something like that? They're thinking of it as a communication device with the property itself. And I think that this is genius. I love it. So not only could you have a wake up call through the dot, but you could also communicate that, you know, something's not working in your room or you want to order room service or whatever the case might be. And I just think that that's super cool. I mean, if only there were a device in the hotel room already where we could use our voice <laughs> to talk phone? to someone to get room service. Crazy. Yeah, but Wouldn't you have to like insane? pick it up and dial. Nobody's got time for that. I mean, yeah, hitting the zero button. I mean, that's I, a lot of effort, right? People are lazy. Yeah. This is not shocking news. Listen, I, 100% every hotel in the world has to be on the voice activated bandwagon, right? Here's why. Majority of people are going to be adopters of voice activated technology. If you look at the adoption of Amazon um, in Google Home, right? You now have Apple getting in the game. Everyone has a smart device that they're beginning to use their voice more for. It is an expectation of the consumer of how they live their lives. They're going to be controlling everything eventually within their own home with their voice. If they then go to a hotel and don't have that capability, it's going to be a shock to the system that they're not going to enjoy. It's going to be like Wi-Fi was, right? Where hotels took a while to adopt it and there was a there was a pushback from the consumer and hotels that didn't have Wi-Fi started to suffer and they had to get on board. It's a utility that is coming that everyone is going to accept expect when they go to a hotel room whether that's siri or amazon or, or or google home doesn't matter you have to have some kind of voice command now having said that we're in the infancy of the technology it sucks most of the time for 70 percent of the requests i make to my amazon echo it does not work so for me to expect it to do room service well anytime soon foolish right so i don't think you have to be in there right now with echoes or dots or google homes in your hotel room today but you need to be thinking about it when are you going to do it and what is it going to be able to do but yeah from a price point i understand why they went with a dot it's so much cheaper <laughs> yeah, than it's everything less than else half the price but sure. from a technology perspective google's home is so much more effective in terms of communicating back and forth but you've also got to look at what people are used to and if you look at the adoption of home versus Echo, Echo's are outselling homes significantly, yeah. right? So I don't know. But yeah, I, I think every hotel, if I was a small boutique hotel, I would absolutely go get some dots or Echoes for every room. But if I did that, I would also get every consumer to sign a waiver that acknowledges that everything they say in that room 
is being oh, listened yeah. to by the Echo because privacy is going to be a major issue with these devices. Yeah. Good point. You got anything to add to that one, Misha? I agree with everything you've said. I think it's coming. I don't necessarily think the technology is there yet. I also did have some privacy concerns, and I'm not really a conspiracy theory person, but you know, I know that that is like an issue with people that even I know that don't want to purchase the device because they're worried about people listening or recording what they're saying. So I think there's there's some concerns. There's some you know hills we're going to have to get over, but I mean, I think it is the way of the future, and I think it needs to be on everyone's radar. Anyone that watched Star Trek The Next Generation or even the original Star Trek series knows that because, I mean, those are premonitions of the future, right? Everyone knows that everything's going to be voice activated eventually. So we better wake up. It's coming. It's coming really soon. And it's not expensive. The barrier to entry for Echoes is, what is it, 49 bucks? Well, and at the end of the day, too, yes, the consumer is going to be able to use these. They're going to appreciate them. But a lot of it is the press release. You know, oh, did you know I stated Best Western and they had you know a dot in the room that was so cool. I want to stay there again. I had nothing to say to the little thing, but it was cool that it was in there to start with. You know, so I think they're they're making a little bit of hay off of just the technology. Being an early adopter is a great way to do that. And I, hopefully, by the time the consumers are ready to use it for more advanced options. They've already got uh, Amazon and Google and Apple have already gone to the next generation. Mm -hmm. I also would hope that Amazon is working with Best Western to do things like the, you know, room service, you know, delivery, whatever else it might be Mm -hmm. within that platform. Yeah, and I wonder too if these chains are going to get to where they can brand it themselves. So you're not saying Alexa, you're saying, hey, Hilton or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be something I would be pushing for if I was a brand as well. I know. I feel like... So tablets have been a thing for a while, right? And we're just now starting to see hotels getting tablets. I feel like maybe a little premature on putting the, the stuff in. I don't know. I don't know. I think tablets are different because I think it's a supplement. I don't think it's a, a, a prerequisite like voice activated is going to be. Voice know? activated is a lot more passive than a phone, a tablet, or anything. You just say what you want. Yeah, and I, if you trust that it's going to do it, you'll you'll continue. Right. A tablet is, is, is a device that in place of another device, right? So we, we all have mobile phones or tablets or laptops. So a tablet in the room is kind of a supplement to that. But this is more of a layer that controls everything you're doing. I, I think it's inevitable. Whether You don't have to be on it right now, but I agree with Pete. I think if you do, there's probably a good chance you're going to get a little bit of PR push for, for doing it, being an early adopter. I'm also interested in seeing how they're going to adapt to people who want to use the dot with their Amazon accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you log into it? Is it going to be like one of those things where Marriott does where you go there and you can log into your Facebook account or not Facebook, uh, Netflix account. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of technology out there. I would definitely be getting smart TVs with Netflix before I got an echo. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's, yes. that's a much yes. more valuable proposition and a lot more cost effective. Uh, but, it's coming. I mean, it, and it's really coming very soon. All right, Misha, what's next? Well, since we haven't talked about Expedia enough yet today, I have an article on Expedia. In the show notes, I titled this one RIP and Peace Expedia Online Visibility because apparently they have had some issues with their online visibility. And this was from a blog, and I apologize to whomever's blog it is. I cannot pronounce your name, but there is a link in the show notes to it. 
And this person is exploring Expedia's drop in their online visibility and whether they're speculating and investigating whether it's a Google penalty or a technical SEO problem. And there's a lot of very handy graphics that go along with this to kind of explain how this was noticed, how they were ranking, how the rankings have dropped, and why they think the rankings have dropped. Um, so <clears throat> just going through the article, they talk about some of the keywords that Expedia ranks really well for. And you know Expedia is a powerhouse. That's no secret. But some of the things they were ranking for, I mean, just general terms, flights, airline tickets, flight, vacation, cheap flights, you know, keywords with millions of search queries, that's a pretty big powerhouse. And they have screenshots. They were using an SEO software where you can go in and put it in anybody's website and see, you can see their trough, their traffic index drop, how much the search volume is, um, and what the shift was. And then you can also see what URL has been ranking for these things. And I found it was interesting because you know, Expedia, everybody assumes these huge websites, whether it be Expedia or TripAdvisor or Booking.com, these massive websites, you would hope they kind of have their stuff together, but not necessarily the case. Um, Going through the article, you'll see there were some kind of wonky URLs that were ranking for some of these things. And once um, whoever did this investigation went through and found some really badly set up 301 redirects and there were just some some loading issues and some HTTP and not HTTPS, um, just weirdness going on. So a lot of just really fundamental technical SEO things are apparently huge issues on the Expedia site. And now it's kind of coming back to bite them in the butt because they have lost significant visibility for some of their really high traffic keywords. So... I don't know. I found this is interesting. What are your thoughts? So you're saying SEO is not dead. <laughs> Believe it or not, but SEO Expedia is not dead. Does anyone want to try to pronounce the name? Goralowitz. Bartots. Goralowitz? Is that what we're saying? Goralowitz.com. Yeah. It, hats off to this individual because they have done some legwork. And if, oh, I, yeah. if I was in charge of digital marketing for Expedia... I'd be picking up the phone and calling this person and saying, do you want a job? Because, I mean, they, they went in-depth on this stuff. They did oh, yeah. a lot of legwork. And, and honestly, there were probably some some heated meetings inside <laughs> Expedia for whoever's in charge of SEO because they, they missed some fundamental stuff on this. So it is great. I, I think if we step back and try to apply this to the people that are listening, right, to our hoteliers that are listening that have their own SEO challenges – SEO is complex. It is very, very tough. There are so many technical nuances to it, and it changes every single day, which is why it's one of the most intimidating parts of SEO, which is why it becomes neglected, right? So we here try to encourage people to really focus on the fundamentals. Focus on having, one, a great user experience, right? Because we know that Google is is really focusing more and more on the user experience. They're using their rank brain algorithm to determine how people interact with the site, whether or not they're getting value out of the site. So that that is fundamental, number one. Number two is content. You've got to have great content in strategic content, right? Content that focuses on the kind of keywords that are most relevant to your property. Don't try to go for the broad if you're a hotel in Austin. Don't try to target Austin hotels if you're an individual property. 
Focus on your uniqueness. What are you local to? What's your vicinity, right? You're near what? You're close to what? Focus on the unique amenities you have and write content about that stuff. If you do that, you're going to be okay with with search in general. But if you really want to take it to the next level and you're not satisfied with being ranked 9 or 10 or even second page for some of these keywords and you want to get number one, then you really need to go hire a good technical SEO company because they're the ones that are going to do the stuff that even the Expedia's of the world are dropping the ball on. How do you 301? How do you canonicalize? All this stuff is really, really important from Google's perspective. It may only make a few rankings difference, but at the end of the day and at the end of the year when you aggregate that, that could mean thousands of dollars to your bottom line. So do the fundamentals well, and if you want more, then go hire a good SEO. That would be my advice. So is this also related to <clears throat> whoever this, this guy is, he's amazing. He did that same research back in 2014 and found that Expedia was using all of these different little WordPress sites to build their inbound links. Mm-hmm. They got dinged pretty hard for it. Then they have a track record of... They should have hired him then, really. They really should have. But they Expedia has a little bit of a track record there of getting a little bit on the gray hat side. You know, Are they doing something else that we're not aware of that... You know, could have directly impacted their rankings as well. I don't know. I mean, it seems like 2014 was a little bit late to be trying to create a, a network of network. farms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if you one of the very first, um, it's a visibility graph at the very beginning. It's from Search Metrics. I mean, their drop off in 2013 to 2014 was crazy. Like they have never. And to be fair, for whatever crazy things they were ranking for back in the day probably should have been ranking for it in the first place, but they've never recovered from that, you know? And this, if they're, you know, not cleaning up their website now, I mean, are they going to come back even yeah. from But if you this? look at the, if you look at that graph and they got hit because they were doing some very mm-hmm. not cool stuff from a search perspective, my guess, if you look at the graph, they probably started that stuff late 2012 mm-hmm. because that's when they started really climbing from a search ranking perspective. They got dinged and then they fell right back to, you know, long term where they were back in 2012. But then they just dropped to, I don't know, it goes back farther than the graph, you know, early 2000s. And the moral of the story, children, is don't try to game the system. If, if you're doing something that's against the spirit of Google, eventually they're going to catch you and you're going to be penalized and it's going to be worse off for you than if you hadn't tried anything. So do things white completely authentically white hat when it comes to seo things like we talked about this on a previous podcast airbnb partnering with dmos to produce great content because i can see where expedia has a hard time creating you know content that's going to get ranked very well they're a listing you know i think a couple was it a couple weeks ago we did the uh we talked about airbnb how they partnered with like this yeah it was in the news in two two episodes yeah yeah, you, that's how it should be done, not by... Oh, yeah. I think Expedia is in a great place to create some unique content. I feel like they're, they're just not. being lazy about it. I mean, right. even looking at their URL structure looks terrible. Right. That's what I'm saying. That if Airbnb can do it, yeah. Expedia has such a big leg up. They need oh, to yeah. put the work in and do it the right way. Well, it just makes you wonder, you know, they're a network of sites. Are all their sites this terrible? I mean, granted, they've acquired them over time, but... Yeah, but they've made some weird decisions. Well, I, I say weird, but it's really, I understand it in terms of an efficiency from a development standpoint. But if you look at some of their sites like Travelocity and Orbitz, 
essentially they're the same site. Mm-hmm. They're just skinned a little bit differently, right? That that from an SEO standpoint is kind of silly. Yeah. You know, if you made them unique and had a unique value proposition for each of their sites, had had an angle that was different, and then you network them, there's gonna be a lot more value to that. But, but honestly, if I go to Orbitz or I go to Travelocity or I go to Expedia right now, my experience is very similar. The results are very similar. Well, the they're functionality just cash is very at this similar. Point. They're right. all they're going to rank hypothetically one, two, and three. So why right. not have all three of those? I think I know. I figured out what it is. Hyatt. Hyatt's talking about pulling out, and then I think Expedia's <laughs> House of Cards is clearly falling. Clearly, down. that that's yeah. exactly what it is. Hyatt has all the power. Yeah. All of a sudden. But yeah, I mean. Uh, SEO is a challenge for everyone, uh, even the big boys. I mean, I, I think it's a good good lesson to be learned for everyone. Do it right. Do it authentically. Don't try to game the system. Focus on the fundamentals. You're going to be okay. But also remember that the cheese has moved, right? And what I mean by that is even if you're ranked number one for the same keywords this year that you were last year, chances are your organic traffic is lower this year than last year because Google's changed the search engine's results page. Right? They put more ads, they put in Google hotel ads at the top, they're putting more pay-per-click ads, they're putting more local packs up there. So your exposure, if you were number one last year for a given keyword, and we see clients suffering from this right now, if you were number one, technically you were true rank four, you were showing fourth on the page of all the things that are there, paid and non-paid. This year, if you're number one, Chances are you're probably eight or nine, you know, because everything else is stuffed above you. Google needs to be careful because at some point consumers are going to say, I'm not getting the relevance that I used to. And and another search engine is going to crop up, which has more utility than Google and people are going to jump ship. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but there's a possibility. Consumers don't even know about PPC half the time. But it doesn't matter, right? Because if, if if Google is favoring paid ads and paid ads are an agenda and they're not really the goal isn't to help people it's to sell people then at some point for certain keywords there's gonna that's gonna backfire right so uh, they just need to be careful i agree consumers don't have a clue but we seo is still really really important Mm -hmm. for most most hotels which kind of leads us into our topic sort of we're talking about search engines and we're talking about mobile specifically because that is where people start their journey quite oftentimes. We see that more than 50% of traffic now on hotel websites is coming from mobile devices, has been for several years. If you look at traffic on average, the tipping point hit in 2014. So we're three years into where mobile has been the majority. So if you're still in the situation where you're doing your marketing, you're testing your website, you're doing everything on your desktop, you might need to rethink that. You might need to start thinking, when I make a change on my website, I need to look at it on my mobile phone first. You might need to say, when I'm running ads, I need to look at what they look like on a mobile phone first. When I'm running my local, updating my local listings, what does it look like on a mobile phone first, right? So we, let's let's just take that as a prerequisite. We need to think mobile first. So let's jump into this. If we want to dominate that space, if we want to say we're the ones that want to get more than our fair share, where do we start, Misha? Well, we are going to start at the top of the mobile SERP where one will almost always find PPC ads. So we know that within the past year, year and a half, 
Google has changed to rollout where you will see now up to four ads in the space takes up a ton of room on desktop, but on mobile, this takes up a ton of room. You have to scroll to get through all the ads. You're not always going to see four ads, but for depending on what you're searching for, typically you'll see two to three, if not four. So just thinking practically about for specifically on your PVC campaigns, if someone is searching on a mobile phone, that's the absolute first thing they're going to see. So maintaining a number one position, if you really want that exposure, you're going to want to go in and make sure that you are bidding and you have a mobile bid adjustment to have that first placement. Looking at the cost over time is bidding a little bit more for that number one position worth it. That's something you'll have to analyze, but if you really do want to be front and center, I would say more arguably more so on desktop, being number one is more important on mobile. Just looking at some other ways that you can take up more room. So when you pull out your phone, you Google something, a lot of times you'll see that first one, and it's not always the first one, but typically you will see the first one has what we refer to as um, site link. So you'll have extensions, you'll have, um, which are little links that show up below, and you can control that. So you can have, um, a lot of times for hotels, we recommend having a link to your specials page, a link to your amenities page, a link to your rooms page, a link to your dining page, if that's applicable. And that just takes up a lot more room. There's tons of other things that you can put around your ad to make it more appealing. So reviews, you can have um, pull in a TripAdvisor review or a review from another website and have that snippet there. You can have um, a phone number there, and this is especially on mobile. You want people to be able to click to call. That's really, really important. So there's a lot of options if you're structuring your ads within that site link area. You want to have those because not only does it give the user more information about your property, but it takes up more room on that search result page. And that's usually where you can see if a hotel or any business has a professional doing their PPC campaign. A lot of times people say, oh, I'll run this campaign on my, on my own. They'll do the very basic minimum. They'll have an ad showing, but they don't even realize how much they're actually missing by not having the site links, the call outs, all the other things that you can do with it. You could double and triple your real estate on that SERP if you just do everything that is enabled within your AdWords platform. And it doesn't cost any more. It's just, if it's a click, it's a click. You know, so make the most out of, of what you have. Yeah, I agree on the ad extensions. I and mean, that's so huge. If you think about how much real estate that ad can take up on a phone, if you enabled all four of those extra links, it's an enormous amount of real estate on somebody's phone that is now monopolized by you instead of a competitor. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The links and the reviews, like Misha said, if you can differentiate your ad from the competition by having something that stands out like five stars or whatever it is, especially if you're a quality product, you know, because that's now a qualifier for you. It's not just more real estate, but it's also something that makes you stand out from the competition. We're also talking very early funnel here where you are competing against other properties in your area. For sure. I mean, this could be, you know, we're not necessarily talking specifically about brand versus non-brand, but I do agree that in general, we see more people doing that initial research on their phone. But then there are also, not to get too complicated with this, but we've seen hotels that have successfully implemented very strategic geo-targeting campaigns, more going after people that are in market looking for a hotel tonight. That's just another way that you can use a mobile-specific ad to target people who are in your area and that are looking for, you know, hotel deals tonight, hotels near me, those type of terms. So there's a lot of routes you can go with this. And I think um, being able to be a little bit more strategic about it is definitely the route to go. And 
also, Melissa will agree with this, but tag. Definitely tag. Always tag. But also, don't assume that all your campaign data together accurately represents how your mobile performance is. So when you log into AdWords, you're just going to see a dashboard with all of your data. There's really easy ways that you can segment that by device. There's tons of ways to segment it, but in particular, I highly recommend looking at the differences between your desktop performance and your mobile performance and not looking at it aggregate and just assuming everything's fine. Yeah, if, if you're not looking at all your data separated by device, then you're making a mistake because how people behave on every device is slightly different. Now, there, there are certainly overlaps and there's certainly trends that we see that cross device, but for the most part, people behave differently and you've got to segment all of your analytics by, de by device in this day and age. And then this should probably go without saying, but per usual, we're going to say it anyway, but with having your ads present on a mobile phone, you will want to make sure that your landing page, wherever you are taking people clicking on your ad is mobile friendly. That would be a massive mistake to have send all this great mobile traffic to your hotel website and it is not mobile friendly. I, if if your website is not mobile friendly today, then you need to do one of two things. Either one, call us and we'll help fix that. Or two, stop listening to this podcast. Because nothing, <laughs> nothing else we say is going to matter if you don't have a mobile friendly website at this point. All right. So we're going to continue scrolling down our phones then. So we're not super intrigued by any of the ads. We're going to talk about local search pack because this is huge. And this this is what I use more than anything else when I'm searching for any kind of business. You know, because and and I'm not a fair representation because I'm in marketing, right? I get ads, but nine out of ten when I'm searching on mobile for some kind of business, I'm looking at the local pack. I would agree with that, and I think people relate because I feel like Google has done a good job, particularly over the past several years, of making it more useful and user friendly. Um, so. Again, for local businesses more so than other things, but hotels being a local business, you're worried about the location and the proximity. So when you can interact with this map, it's pretty handy and you can see what's around you and it gives you a lot of information. So just some tips on how you can make this the absolute best it possibly can be. Just understanding how this is going to show up, I think is important for people to realize. So there is going to be a difference in what a user sees when they're searching something non-brand. So hotels in Austin, for example, versus Austin Kempton. There's going to be a massive difference in how this looks. So if you, if someone's searching for a non-brand search query, what they're going to see is a map icon. And then below that, they're going to see typically three hotel listings. And within those listings, there's going to be some pricing information and that's integrated with Google hotel ads. And they can easily interact with the map. They can click on that. If they do click on that, um, they have the option to scroll through the listings. There's different things that pop up they can interact with. So it is a very interactive tool and it is linked with Google hotel ads. And there are tons of hotels listed here. That versus if somebody searches for Kimpton Austin, they're going to have, um, hopefully, Kimpton, if they have their page claimed, that's just going to show the hotel's actual page. And so that's going to have um, up-to-date information. So it's going to have their hours. It's going to have their location, their address, and a link to the website. And then it's also still going to have that Google Hotel Ads information there. So just making sure that, A, you have your page claimed is really crucial you'll know whether or not you do or don't have it claimed if you search for the name of your hotel. And at the bottom it says, are you a page owner? You can claim this. 
if that's if that's an option then you should go claim your hotel um, and once you do that process it's really easy um, the verification process involves Google sending you a postcard so that they know that the actual address is correct and that you are the owner um, really easy process and then after that's done if it is already claimed you want to make sure all your information's up to date I mean that seems like a no-brainer but you'd be surprised how many times more so if I'm looking at a restaurant um, or a local business their hours aren't up to date their phone numbers not up to date the websites not up to date I mean this is pretty basic stuff but it happens a lot more often than you'd think so you want to make sure all of this information is up to date because that's what people are seeing when they're googling your page or they're clicking on your listing for a non-brand search that's what they're going to go to and if your website link isn't correct you've just lost that customer yeah and this is this is the low-hanging fruit from a marketing perspective because it's it's a set it and forget it once you've done it once and it's correct and you've checked it and verified it you don't have to worry about it. I mean, look at it once a year or something like that and update the photos and the descriptions or the amenities you've added, but you don't have to keep monitoring it. It's it's free traffic, free money, free guests if you do it right first time. Oh, yeah. And then also, again, with the information being up to date, you're going to want to make sure that you have some really stellar images in there as well. And you have control over that within the Google My Business dashboard. So just taking the time, again, to ensure it's up to date and putting in some of your own awesome images, that's really going to make a difference with people interacting with that. And, and make them compelling images, right? Not just great quality, but stuff that matters to people. So if if you're a beachfront property, show the, the fact that you're on the beach. Show the ocean in that shot. Don't just put a generic outside shot. Make sure you can see the ocean and how close you are. Make sure that they see those awesome amenities you have. Make sure that they see the... Beautiful rooms, rooms especially, yeah. But not the toilets, right, Melissa? Not the toilets. You, you have <laughs> Please, not the toilets. Bugaboo about that. I mean, a lot of times this is the first place that the consumer is starting that side-by-side -side comparison. Mm -hmm. You know, there's multiple properties on that page. If you have images that are just a little bit more compelling, a little bit more information, you make it a little bit easier to do business with you, they're going to start going down that funnel versus mm -hmm. the competitor's funnel. And don't forget, this is probably one of the first places that people are going to be exposed to reviews about your property. So not that we want to get off on a tangent about reputation management, but just being aware of what your reviews are and possibly trying to clean that up if necessary. And we would be remiss if we did not also put in a plug for the Google hotel ads, which we have seen performance do a complete 180 over the past year or so, I would say. Yeah. Um, Again, we have plenty of information about this on our website, but just the basic premises in order to have integration with this system, you'll need to work with a verified partner, which we happen to be a verified partner. And there are a few data feeds that need to set up. There's some technical implementation that's going to need to go into place. It's not an overnight thing, but it certainly doesn't take very long. It's maybe a few weeks. And then once we can start feeding that data to Google, you can be published on there. And it is important to note that OTAs are very present in this space. So whenever you see a Google hotel listing, typically you're going to see the Expedia's of the world there, the booking.com's there of the world. So this is a space that I really feel that hotels need to start being a little bit more aggressive in. Yeah, it's increasing significantly, not just from a volume perspective, but like you said, from a performance perspective. And we've got some clients, we've mentioned this on the show before, that where now their GHA is rivaling their brand PPC in terms of ROI. So it, it's it's a channel that I think everyone has to be on because if you're not, then you're basically giving away those bookings to the OTAs because that consumer is is booking through that channel regardless, right? 
that's where they've started their search they go through that funnel you're in if they're going to go through that funnel why not be the one that's actually doing the transaction at the end of it yeah gha is kind of an interesting one because you can't think of it as a ppc campaign and we really don't want this podcast to be about gha only but spend some time focusing on it and make sure you have a campaign running if you don't already one thing that we have seen though is if you have a very small budget you're more likely to not hit that budget than if you have a higher budget i know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive but because of the way bid multipliers work and everything else works within the gha platform you need to have a budget that is higher than what you actually end up spending you know, we found that you know if you have in some cases we have a client that has a five six hundred dollar budget and had a very hard time spending it once you went up to seven eight nine hundred dollars then it was a lot easier to spend the 500 they initially wanted because google's not going to over serve the ad if someone's doing say a four or five night search with bid multipliers that could be a very expensive click so you do want to make sure you're really paying attention to your budget you're setting it properly and you're doing a lot of testing. It's a good platform, but it's it's not a PPC campaign. Yeah, and it's not a self-serve platform. You know, you have to, like Misha said, go through a third-party mm-hmm. provider to get that. Most reputable agencies at this point are, are approved vendors, but just talk to whoever your agency is or give Fuel a call because it's something you should be investing in if you're not already. Yeah, and I will say it has gotten better um, not only from a performance perspective, but just from a management perspective on, you know, whether it's the agency's end um, or if you can somehow run it in-house, you know, it's it's gotten easier to manage and it has gotten a lot more intuitive. It is a little bit more set it and forget it. But to your point, Pete, they are constantly changing things. So it is something that you're definitely going to want to monitor. All right. What's next? So the final destination on our SERP exploration journey we have finally gotten to the organic search results. It's not dead. It is not dead. They are still alive and kicking. Um, so once again, the user scrolls past the ads, they scroll past the listings and the Google hotel ads and all the scenic things you'll see on your SERP journey. You get to the organic listings. And this is still a space that despite the fact that people have to scroll, people are used to scrolling. People spend 50% of their day is scrolling on Facebook. So they are used to scrolling. So definitely don't underestimate the power of still having a very well-performing organic search campaign. Yeah, and when you get to especially longer tail keywords, that you see a lot less of the local and you see a lot less ads as well. So if you're doing well in organic on the broad stuff and the big keywords, you're probably doing pretty well in the long tail as well, which is where you can actually make a lot of money still. So just looking at some of the mobile-specific rank factors and things that are going to help your site specifically on mobile perform well, You, I mean, again, without saying, you need to have a mobile-friendly website. And there are some really great tools that you can use to help you determine whether or not your website is mobile-friendly, how mobile-friendly it is or isn't. Um, and this kind of ties into page speed and website speed as well. So there's a tool, and there's a link to it. It's called... Um, testmysite.withgoogle.com. This is literally the easiest thing 
that you could ever use, you should go use it now just to check your website health. You put in your URL and it spits back a report for you and it emails it to you and it tells you how it gives you a score from one out of 100 for both desktop and mobile on how fast your site is, how mobile friendly it is, and then it gives you specific things that you can fix on your website to make it a better user experience. I give that URL one more time because I know no one was listening first time. <laughs> Testmysite.withgoogle.com and we'll put that link in the show notes as well, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 56. All right, keep going. So just some other just basic, and this was pulled from, I mean, there are literally, if you Google, Google mobile-friendly guidelines, there's documentation provided by Google for this. So it's not hard to find. So if you're not doing this kind of stuff, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um but just look, don't use Flash. I mean, that's pretty... <laughs> it's 2017. <laughs> Do not use Flash. But the fact that Google still has to throw that out there, you know. Um, intrusive pop-ups, that was um, a more recent penalty that was announced. And the thing with Google is they've been pretty nice the past couple updates where they give you a heads up. But um, having intrusive pop-ups in your mobile site is a big no-no now. And then just having an overall user-friendly design. And again, they go into some very specific things, whether it's having buttons that are too small, if people have to, you know, try to expand on the screen. I mean, just things that are kind of a pain when you go to a website you don't want to have to do, you shouldn't have that on your website. All right. Here's the thing I don't think everyone gets, right? Google is really smart and they use data from all their products. When you sign up for Google Analytics for your site, there's a checkbox there that says, I give Google permission to use the data from my website for their other products, right? What does that mean? It means that their search engine algorithm is looking at not just how many people click from the SERP to your website, but when they get to your website, what are they doing? How long are they spending on the site? What pages are they looking at? Do they ultimately transact or not? Or do they bounce back to the SERP and go to, to your competitor? So the behavior of what happens on your website is super, super important. Google themselves came out and admitted last year that content and links are the number one and number two factors. And then RankBrain is the number three. RankBrain is their machine learning algorithm that looks at all the data related to how consumers interact with your website. If you don't have a user-friendly website, your SEO rankings are going to suffer from it. You have to have to have a great mobile experience and a great desktop experience. It, just to make sure that that point is super clear, that's within Google Analytics for all your site traffic. It is not specifically only search traffic. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. I, I, they'd be crazy. I mean, they haven't come out and said that, but why wouldn't they use yeah, that? So data? just think about that. You have blind referrals. You have traffic directly to your site, traffic from you know, third-party ad sources that never even goes through Google. Google is, at least they have access to that data, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what they're necessarily doing with it, but they are able to see if you have an amazingly high bounce rate from other sources, they're going to factor that in as well, I would assume. Yeah, they're taking your data and they're making money from it. And it's all your data. Yeah. Everything. From Chrome, from Android, from Google Analytics, from every product you're using with Google, they're aggregating that data. They're using it against you. It's like, this has become a really common term recently. I've heard a lot of people say this, but if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product, right? Yes. So yep. 
they're using your data as a user with Google Analytics to make their other products better. Do you think Facebook uses people's data too? I, I would imagine hmm. a That's little bit. Wonder. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's hour. With you know what? <laughs> Facebook should come out with advertising on their platform. Ooh, what? Yeah. That would be smart. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could target people on Facebook based on their interests? We might be onto something here. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Facebook should give us a call. They should. Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> listens religiously to this <laughs> podcast. All right. So getting back on track with a few more tips for your organic search listings on mobile, you're going to want to have, and again, this this is not specific to mobile, but your schema.org markups are going to be really important here. Again, I have a link in the show notes that goes to the hotel-specific page on the schema.org website, but just marking up your data and providing that information to hotels is going to give you a lot more room on the mobile search results to expand how much room you're taking up. And there's some information on there as well if you're not sure exactly what that is or how to implement it. Um, we could certainly help you there. But when you think of things like um, aggregate rating is one of them, for example. So when you look at in the hotel space, you see the star ratings there. Well, that's provided via a schema markup. So things like that that make your listing more appealing are going to be a lot more present in the mobile space. you got to be on schema. No question. I mean, it... it, it... Google has been telling us this for years and years, and we seem to have a lot of, I would say, anecdotal evidence that when we implement schema on a site, not only does it expand the SERP visibility, but we tend to see a correlation between implementing schema and rankings increasing as well. I'd I'd say I can't name a client where we've implemented schema that I haven't seen an increase in ranking. So you've got to be on it. Especially as I'm going back to the beginning of the show where we're talking about search, the voice search. The way voice search works is they have to understand the semantics of the web. They have to understand the objects that they're, they're interacting with. And the only way for the computers to understand that is through schema markup where you're labeling content to what it is. This is an address. This is a hotel. This is a review. This is a rate for that hotel. That's the kind of stuff that schema does. It's just a way of labeling and organizing data so that computers can really understand what it means. But schema.org is easy, especially if you're on like a product like like WordPress. There are plugins that do it for you pretty much, you know. Or if you're using an agency, any reputable agency, if you pick up the phone and call whoever built your website and say, I need to get some schema markup on my site, they probably already have a solution for it. So you've got to get on this bandwagon. And the last tip that I had on here was to... Um, at least for optimization, to keep your meta information in check. Now, Google is not always consistent with how they pull things. So we have had situations where we put in a title tag and then somebody searches for something and then they just put in a different title tag. So they're not 100% going to put what you what you have in your CMS. But just keeping in mind that the space that you have on your mobile phone is not the same space that you're going to have on a desktop SERP. So when you're looking at things like little things like your title tags and your meta descriptions, just looking at how appealing those are on a mobile phone and then looking at does that still translate to desktop and vice versa and making sure it's appealing and it's click-worthy and people are going to want to interact with that instead of just having your hotel name and a bar and hotel in Austin. You know, having welcome to the Omni Resort you know, official resort website or just something that's a little bit more appealing. Yeah, I think meta description and title tag are two of the most overlooked pieces 
of control you have. Super underrated. Like people just don't take the time to do it and it annoys me. Think about this, right? Those nine out of 10, those are what displays on the SERP. Sometimes you're right. Google does override it because they're smarter than everyone else, right? And they think they can get more click through. They'll test it and get a better click through rate. If that happens, it means you didn't do a good job writing your original title tag and meta description, right? So try to tweak it. But this is a sales opportunity. This is the probably the for some people, this is the first interaction they have with their brand, with your brand. So this should be as welcoming as your lobby. It should be as compelling as your best salesperson, right? You need to sell people here. You need to put your best foot forward and say, why should they choose you versus the competition? Because you're in a battle at that point. You're on the SERP. They have a choice. They've already scrolled past all the ads. They've already scrolled past the, this local pack. They're ready to make a decision. You want them to make your decision. And the best way to do that is compelling copywriting. Spend time crafting really well thought out, very compelling meta descriptions and title tags. Because it will really pay dividends. Not only will you get more clicks, but guess what? Part of that rank brown rank brain algorithm that we talked about is click-through rate from the SERP. So the more clicks you do gain, the higher ranking is going to get, and even more, it's going to compound. You can get even more clicks. So meta description, title tags, super important. I will jump on that bandwagon. Just if you, again, if you think about what that SERP looks like as you're scrolling through your phone, and again, you've just passed four ads and a Google hotel ads and everything else, and you finally get to that local, uh, the natural search engine listing, what is going to compel somebody to click on that listing versus one of the PPC ads above you? It's got to have something that's that just makes sense to them that is compelling and says, hey, click me here. Yeah, power words are really effective here, especially if you can, you can really claim ownership of something. Things like you said, Misha, official. If you can say official site, that can be huge. If you're competing with someone else that has, say it's a keyword like, family-friendly resorts, if you have an amenity that no one else has, if you have the longest lazy river in your town or you have a water park or you have a kids club that's better than anyone else, the top-rated kids club in the area, those are the kind of things you need to be touting at this point. You need to really thump your chest and say, I'm the boss on this keyword and you need to click me. Completely agree. And then when it comes to monitoring all these things, I will echo what I expressed for PPC don't assume that your overall performance is reflective of your mobile specific performance. There's a lot of SEO rank tracking tools out there and a lot of them do allow you to track the different search engines separately. So you can track your desktop specific keywords. You can track your mobile specific keywords. I'm not saying you need to use every keyword out there and track them on both, but for some of your really important ones, absolutely. And just look at that separately. And also for Google Analytics. Again, don't assume that all your data and aggregate just means everything's fine. It's really easy to segment this for mobile specific search engine KPIs. So you should be looking at that. Yeah, and I would give a word of caution when it comes to keywords, right? Because people can get really hung up on rankings and, and it's less important today than it used to be. I, I think you've got to look at multiple KPIs when you're looking at the effect of organic search. And really the biggest ones are traffic and bookings year over year from the source of organic, right? Because you can get really hung up on a specific keyword and trying you were number one last year and you dropped to number three and you put all your effort into trying to get back to number one, but it really doesn't have a big impact on the bottom line. So look at the keywords, which you can get some of that data in search engine console, right? Um, or website console, 
website search console what's it called now google search Search console Console. (laughs) um webmaster tools i'm going to be old school about it but you can get some of that data about what's really working for you but don't get hung up on the keywords google's really done a good job trying to eliminate people focusing on keywords because every search is personalized now we know that focus on it on aggregate look at it from a splinter's perspective but try to be the best result for every keyword that's relevant to you try to serve the consumer the best you can and the keyword will ranking will kind of take care of itself i would agree and i do have um if you are looking for some resources again in the show notes i have put in some links to the google mobile seo guide and also the moz mobile optimization guide moz has a lot of great resources so definitely check those out if you're looking for more information yeah, if you want to learn anything about search engines in general, I think Moz to me is the authority. They do a great um, weekly show web uh, video called um, Whiteboard Fridays. I'm stumbling, I don't know why, but it's great, right? They're always doing some stuff that's pretty deep and meaningful, but there's always some tangible takeaway from it. So definitely check out Whiteboard Fridays from Moz, and just in general, look through Moz's documentation. They have some really good tutorials. And if you don't have time, if you need an expert to come in and help you with your SEO, even audit it or give you a roadmap forward or even implement it, then again, reach out to a reputable provider, someone that is in hospitality specifically and really does a good job with SEO. Someone like Fuel, I would say. I don't know. No one else comes to mind, but there's probably others out there. So is that it? That should be it. I do have a note in here about AMP pages. I wasn't sure if you wanted to dive in that or just save that for another Let's day. Let's save that for another episode. Okay. I think we could do a whole episode on AMP, accelerated mobile pages. But I, I think if you follow the steps that Misha's outlined, laid out in this episode, you're going to have a good chance of success on the mobile search engine. You are going to dominate. You are dominating. Domination. You're going to be the best SERP provider in all of Vermont. <laughs> All right, so let's skip ahead. We've done that. So let's talk about what's coming up. So we've got high tech coming up next week. Starts uh, June 26th through 29th. It's in Toronto, and Fuel's going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be making the trip. You guys are going to be staying here and keeping all the lights on. But I'm going to be there with Ben and David from the Fuel team, and we are going to be showcasing Guest Express, which is our mobile app solution for hotels of any size. And we're going to be doing some awesome pricing at the show. So if you are going to be at High Tech, then come by and see us at booth 1911. And we'll show you Guest Express mobile app and we'll show you the awesome pricing. If you aren't going to make it to High Tech, then we're going to extend the same pricing to the listeners of the podcast. So if you want to just shoot an email to info at fueltravel.com, or you can visit the website for Guest Express, which is guestexpressapp.com. And let us know that you're interested, and we will give you the show pricing. Is that the forever show pricing? It is not. We're going to give you that pricing if you inquire before the end of June. So, so you got need until to hurry. June 30th is going to be the cutoff. If you inquire about Guest Express app before that date, then we're going to give you the show pricing, which gives you $50 off per month on the app, which is already a very affordable um, app that starts normal retail price starts at 250 a month so starting now at 200 dollars a month if you're listening to this podcast or you come see us at high tech so we don't usually do a lot of promotions on the show but this one is so kick-ass that i figured it would be worth uh talking about so other housekeeping pete we had a nice very nice email from a friend of the show 
Yeah, Travis sent us an email, which is also an acceptable way to to send in questions and comments. Love feedback on iTunes as well. But let's talk a little bit about what Travis had to say. And what is Travis's name? Because we always have to make fun of people's names that write in. I'm going with Travis Kilgallen. All right. So I was going to make a joke about how he is in favor of the metric system. Because he wants to kill the gallon in favor of the liter. I thought about making that joke, but then I thought that Misha's job is the dad joke queen now, overtaken from Pete. So I I wasn't going to, but now I did. So Yeah. Uh, All right, carry on. If you want to cut that out, that's fine too. (laughs) (laughs) No. That was was a good joke. That was a good joke from a European. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Americans don't understand the metric system. (laughs) My bad. What is your base 10 system? We don't understand that. So anyway, he says, hi guys, love the podcast and have been listening since you guys started. I have implemented some of the changes you guys have spoken about on and are my Google uh, excuse me, my, our Google My Business performance has gone from 900 uh, last year to. Are you guys ready for these numbers? We're ready. All right. 903. Sit down. 904. 6,401 people saw your, saw your 4.5 rated business on Google search. 4,956 people saw your 4.5 star rated business on Google Maps. 186 people asked for directions. And two people reviewed your google your business on google i would say that is a good roi on whatever effort you put in to change in your local listing that is fantastic and that's sweat equity if you, if you put the time in a lot of times that doesn't take any you know financial effort but it does take a lot of time effort so if you put it in i mean you can easily have you know success like travis that's phenomenal but uh he needed a little more help so that's what we're here to do and he says uh our facebook account was under the name was under a name and was blocked by Facebook on November of last year, but they didn't give me time to, and they didn't give him time to convert it. And he found some documents. Uh, he's not able to access other places that he used to access via Facebook. So things like Airbnb and other accounts, TripAdvisor that used a Facebook login. So he's pretty much locked out of all of those. Now he's gone through and tried to get the password. Every time he does, Facebook gives him a thank less message of thanks for your help we'll take a look at the documents you submitted and get back to you but they never do so how can he get back in to his facebook account as a business so i'm a little bit confused about the question but i think i i think i have an answer so it sounds like to me that and i could be wrong so if i am wrong feel free to email us and we can work this out together but it sounded like the Facebook business page was actually a personal Facebook page? Yeah, that's yes. what I read. It's a okay. profile, not a business so page. So you getting blocked by Facebook, that's technically against their terms of service. So getting back that page is not going to happen, um, unfortunately. The Facebook support system, again, unfortunately, is pretty terrible, which it sounds like you have experienced that. Um, I do have some links in there if you haven't reached out via these channels. So there's a link to their chat, which is really just a million questions to point you to documentation and disguise as a chat, but you might actually get somewhere with that. Um, I also have a link to their business FAQ page and the community forum page, but my recommendation would be to set up a Facebook business page and then link that through business.facebook.com. 
it's a pretty intuitive interface and it allows you to run um, your page or multiple pages if you happen to be a, a property management group, as well as all of your ad accounts. If you have those in one easy to use dashboard, you can add other users on there. So if you do have other hotel staff that interacts, you can add them on there. But that's kind of the white hat way to do Facebook now. So you're gonna wanna be sure that minimum you have a business page, but then also if you really want to be professional about it, you, that you're using the business.facebook.com settings. Um, so you're gonna have to kind of start from scratch here and you might have to definitely invest some time in getting your new page set up, uploading the images, making sure your information is up to date, having your website link in there, all that fun stuff that you have to do when you set up a page. Um, but also might have to spend a little bit of money reclaiming and rebuilding that fan base and that'll happen over time. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take some effort. I don't know if there's a way to reclaim that old page since you're technically not supposed to be using a personal page for a business. Yeah, I think this is one where unfortunately you're gonna have to bite the bullet. You know, it's very unlikely at this point, given that it was November, it got shut down in your numerous requests to Facebook that they're ever gonna reactivate that profile page given that it's in violation of the terms. So anyone that's listening that has a business profile you, you need to stop that you know if you haven't already been caught at some point you will you need to switch that over to an actual legitimate business page versus a profile and then you can manage that from your whatever profile you have in terms of how you were accessing other um, stuff through your Facebook account again I think you're gonna have to bite the bullet and reset those because you're not gonna get back access to the original profile at this point, Facebook notoriously have yeah. terrible customer service. And I understand why. I mean, they're so big. And think about if they had to deal with every single consumer and every issue, it would be a nightmare. So check out the links in the show notes. Again, you can get that fueltravel.com slash um, podcast and click on episode 56. We're going to put the links that Misha mentioned. You can try those. My I will also say that he did in the question mentioned that um, people have been checking in and it's kind of creating an unofficial page. And so he said he'd claimed three unofficial pages. Well, when you do create your business page, you update your URL to something that makes sense. So hopefully slash the name of your hotel. Once it starts getting followers and has some authority, Facebook will recognize that as your page. So that issue will resolve itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and regarding like the you know, Airbnb access, I would guess you just have to reach out to them and you know, clean those listings because you probably obviously have, you know, business dealings with them. You always have to be careful when you use Facebook as a login for other platforms because you have created that bottleneck where if you have, you know, one password that gets lost, you're going to have problems with a lot of different platforms. You know, it's so always using a email address that's associated with your company it makes it a little bit easier to, to deal with that type of issue. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's not better news. I mean, if anyone listening has experience this and knows something that we don't then feel free to write in again our emails info at fueltravel.com so let us know and we'll pass that on or talk about it on the next episode but that's pretty pretty good email we appreciate the positive feedback sorry we couldn't be more assistance but i think the sooner you get on to doing things the right way like misha said i think you know well, his track record says he's going to do an awesome job. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's already implementing the stuff we advise. So I think he, he's, he's thinking the right way, obviously, clearly. I think if he jumps onto doing it the right way now for Facebook, 12 months from now, you won't even think about this again. You know, you'll be so past it that it won't matter. 
like Misha said, some of the issues you're experiencing now with people checking into the wrong place, those will go away if you do things the legitimate way with Facebook. So the sooner you do that, the better. All right, so we have one more little thing, right, Melissa? It's not a little thing. Sure we do. So last week we talked about B News, and uh, B News might be a recurring theme on the show to the point we need a theme tune for it, like a little... We do. If anybody wants to make one for us, send it to us. We need a B News theme. It could be. But yeah, you send us a B News theme tune, that would be awesome. But last week we were talking about exposing each of us and our hobbies to you guys so we get to know each other a little better and melissa is a clarinetist is that the word that is the word okay that was a guess it was a clarinetist extraordinaire and we challenged in her, a previous life we challenged her to play for us some metallica which i will apologize to james and the boys right now this is not my idea but i'm going to do it because i'm a team player and i was asked to do it so i'm going to do it all right, so this is absolutely not hotel marketing related at all, but without further ado, this is the marvelous Melissa Kavanaugh with Metallica's Enter Sandman. <laughs> request you have for her to do another tune <laughs> next time now, actually next time is misha but hey that was awesome amazing so that was phenomenal that was really that good was that cool. is beyond words we want to do um star wars theme tune next time just okay. okay i'd rather do that than this it's a little more classical <laughs> yeah, than yeah yeah john williams i could handle okay good that is amazing so misha what's your talent for next week i can drink a lot of wine and really drunk <laughs> It's not really good for the audio, you know. Oh, listeners. it could be. It could be like wine about it. The dude that used I, to be with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we're derailing. See, I am an acapella choir person, but I don't know if I'm willing to sing acapella choir for the seven people that listen to All this. right. How about this? If we have three people leave a review between now and next episode, <laughs> I don't know. will you commit to singing? No. Oh, come I can on. accompany you. <laughs> All right, they should leave a review. Maybe anyway. I'll get drunk and then sing. All right, we'll get Misha drunk for next episode, and she'll do something for you guys. But we'll see what it is. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, on that note, Pete, where can they find you on the web? I don't want to say anymore. <laughs> but if they really want to, they can find me on Twitter at PDiMeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa, if they want to listen to your amazing music, where can they you find will you not there? find it on Twitter, but you will find me on Twitter at M A Kavanaugh, M A K A V A N A G H. And Misha, you can find me at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing M E I S H A. 
You can find me at Stuart Butler on Twitter, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And you can check out the notes of this podcast at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 56. And we're going to be at High Tech next week, like I said. And so the next episode, we'll probably be doing a recap of what we learned at High Tech. So until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I've never, never learned.